Welcome to Budget Watchdog, All Federal, the podcast dedicated to making sense of the budget, spending, and tax issues facing the nation. Cut through the partisan rhetoric and talking points for the facts about what's being talked about, bandied about, and pushed to Washington. Brought to you by Taxpayers for Common Sense. And now, the host of Budget Watchdog AF, TCS President Steve Ellis. Hello, hello. Welcome to all American taxpayers seeking common sense. You've made it to the right place. For over 25 years, TCS, that's Taxpayers for Common Sense, has served as an independent, nonpartisan budget watchdog group based in Washington, D.C. We believe in fiscal policy for America that is based on facts. And our team at TCS works to ensure that taxpayer dollars are spent responsibly and that our government operates within its means. It's literally our mission. We believe in transparency and accountability that no matter where you are on the political spectrum, no one wants to see their tax dollars wasted. It's February 2021, and today we launched this brand new podcast, Budget Watchdog All Federal, as a digital vehicle to help share the insights, research, and recommendations developed by our team and leaders in this space to taxpayers across the nation. On this inaugural episode of Budget Watchdog AF, we're going to take a look at the newly initiated pause on federal oil and gas leasing instituted by the Biden administration. To that end, I'm joined by my longtime colleague, Autumn Hanna, vice president here at TCS. A big part of her role is leading our energy and natural resources work. Autumn, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Steve. It's great to be here on our first podcast. Pretty excited to be doing this today. Great. So let's get started. I know the federal oil and gas leasing system, from our perspective, is broken. We've been focused on the mismanagement and poor return on investment for taxpayers here for a long time. So, Autumn, can you help our listeners better understand the history here? Sure. You're right, Steve. This is something we've been working on for a long time and been tracking. And on January 27th, the Biden administration went ahead and issued an executive order announcing a pause on oil and gas leasing on federal lands. For us, we really thought this was the right move because we have been noting the problems within the system for years and really exposing the places where taxpayers are losing. So we've been saying we should step back, pause on leasing and reform the system before we lease any more federal land. And that's really because taxpayers are both the federal and state level have lost billions of dollars to our federal oil and gas leasing system. We have outdated laws and policies that frankly haven't kept pace with oil and gas production. And unfortunately for taxpayers, we've seen these flaws on full display over the last four years because we had even faster movement on leasing of federal lands and offering more land as quickly as possible, even during the pandemic. Putting these large stretches of federal land on the leasing auction block over these last four years really flooded the market drove down bidding, which was already in decline because of our oil glut. And by 2019, the average federal lease sale was more than double the acreage we had seen in the eight years prior, yet the bid per acre was down by less than half of what it had been. Bids slid even further in 2020 to just a third of the average bid from 2009 to 2016. So all of this really spells losses for taxpayers and lost revenue. And that's why we welcomed this pause. Imagine that, the law of supply and demand. You pump up the supply of leases and then you're getting smaller returns. It seems common sense that that would not be the best approach for taxpayers. Will the pause on the new lease sales affect current oil and gas production? Despite what you may hear, especially 
from those in industry, this pause won't affect production activity. So there's really isn't a cause for alarm. For the last four years, we've leased almost 5 million acres and very few of those have entered production yet. And even before the Trump administration, we had millions of acres of federal land leased for the purpose of oil and gas development, but had yet to be developed. So about 25 million acres under lease at the end of 2019, to give you some scale there, but 11 and a half million acres of those were not producing yet. So our oil and gas supply is outpacing demand and the gut is keeping prices low. Uh, And really state and federal taxpayers won't see much drop in revenue because most of our revenue comes from oil and gas leases that are producing. There will be a little impact on bid revenue, but bid revenue is already down significantly. So taxpayers were already losing. So it makes much more sense to step back, reform the program and fix it. So taxpayers get the fair return we deserve. Can you tell me about some of the other areas we want reform? I know that we've worked with the New York Times and other outlets exposing this so-called day after auction giveaways and some other issues with the program. That's right, Steve. Non-competitive leasing overall is a major problem. And our oil and gas companies have been taking advantage of this broken system and being able to really benefit from this non-competitive leasing. So we have set our minimum bid per acre at $2. That's a rate that was set in the late 80s under President Reagan. It's one that we definitely need to step back and adjust at least to inflation. Nevada is a place where we've seen this non-competitive leasing really run rampant. We have over 90% of the land leased there not even entering production. So we're leasing land, it's not entering production, and it's because it's so cheap. In the last two years in Nevada, roughly 80% of the acres leased at auction went for this $2 per acre minimum bid. And over the last decade, 90% of those were sold for less than $5 per acre. But you can also exploit the system by coming in the day after. So nominating land for auction, coming in the day after for no bid at all and securing that land. So this this is this non-competitive leasing loophole that we've worked with the New York Times and many other press outlets to expose and bring attention to. In one case, our work uncovered that one company had nominated almost 70,000 acres of land for lease sale in Montana and didn't step in to bid anything at auction and then came in the next day to secure over 132 leases without paying any bid at all. So big loss for taxpayers because of this broken system and this loophole, one that definitely needs to be fixed before we start leasing again. So Autumn, after all of this has been pointed out, is there any activity on the Hill or is there somebody picking up the mantle of trying to do some of the reforms, tackling some of these issues? So last Congress, we were pleased to see that Senator Tesver took up the non-competitive leasing issue, introducing legislation to end the loophole. And we are definitely hopeful the non-competitive leasing issue will be addressed this Congress. It's really just outrageous that it's still on the books. We're also really pleased to see bipartisan legislation led by former Democratic Senator Udall of New Mexico and current Republican Senator Grassley of Iowa to address outdated royalty and rental rates and increase minimum bids. And we really hope to see a bill like that introduced again. And in the House, there were similar bipartisan efforts to tackle reform of the oil and gas leasing system. And we hope they'll gain traction this Congress. And now that we have this pause on leasing, we're taking this time to really look into the program overall and fix these pieces. And things like non-competitive leasing and that loophole and the outdated rental rates and royalty rates definitely need to be addressed. 
Autumn, you bring up a good point too in the fact that with the new Congress, everything resets. Legislation that was on the half yard line is back at square one. It's a mix of metaphors there. <laughs> so that is something that got to kind of move the ball forward on this. What do federal and state taxpayers get or not get from the federal oil and gas program? The biggest loss to taxpayers and, and the current system is the royalty rate, which hasn't changed for over 100 years. So we're looking at a 12.5% royalty rate for taxpayers. And that's the percentage that taxpayers get for the oil and gas extracted off federal land. So we get a percentage of the value of that sale. And you know that's something that any landowner would get for anything off their private property. A royalty, that's a common way to receive revenue. And it's one that we think really needs to be addressed, looking at that century old rate of 12.5%. And we have calculated just in the last 10 years, we've lost over $12 billion by not updating that rate for onshore oil and gas to match what the current rate is for offshore oil and gas. So offshore oil and gas, for the most part, gets an 18.75% royalty rate. And so that rate on offshore is one that we have pointed to to say we want parity for onshore and we want to get 18.75% at a minimum on federal lands. That gets us that $12 billion figure. But that isn't even as high as we think would make sense for the market in many cases. Private and state interests charge royalties as high as 25%. And oftentimes they're charging and getting 25% or 20% royalty rate for land that's adjacent to the federal land that's producing. So really just shortchanging federal taxpayers. And the important part of this for the state too, is that we split that revenue onshore with the state. So 50% of that revenue from federal land in states goes to that state. So in Colorado, half of that royalty revenue on federal lands is going to Colorado and New Mexico to New Mexico. And so this is important revenue for federal coffers, but also for state coffers. And we've looked at leasing activity in Colorado. Montana, Utah, Nevada, New Mexico, all of those states specifically where these are our highest producing oil and gas states. And we've identified billions of dollars, over $6 billion in the last 10 years and lost royalty revenue just for the states in those places. And that's because of these below market royalty rates. This is money that's going to local budgets, so schools and other important needs for these these places. And it's, it's also important to the federal treasury. But we want to make sure that folks recognize that raising these rates would have benefit at both the state and federal level. This is real money for these communities and for these states. That's a really important point and also should be why people should be pushing to have their elected officials change these policies. You know, you mentioned the 25%. And if I recall, isn't the state of Texas a known anti-oil and gas industry state, don't they have a 25% royalty rate? (laughs) Yes. uh, Texas does have a 25% royalty rate. And we all know that Texas hates oil. No, I I think that's the point that really makes sense here is that we can raise royalty rates and it doesn't have to negatively impact production. And it can get us more close to a fair return and address this broken system. I mean, frankly, we just haven't updated. So why would someone need to pay more or want to pay more if you were the oil and gas industry? So this is something that has fallen by the wayside and we want to to make sure is an important issue that gets addressed in this new administration. Speaking of this new administration, do they need to rethink the role of the Bureau of Land Management at the Department of Interior that manages these things? Absolutely. I mean, I think overall, we really want this administration to help shift the perspective at the Bureau of Land Management to one that is first and foremost protecting the taxpayer interests and not representing and protect the industry interests. It's industry's job to represent themselves. And we know the oil and gas industry is doing a good job of that. And they're taking care of their interests and needs. And we need the Bureau of Land Management to make sure that they are protecting the taxpayer interests. They work for us. It is their job to 
ensure we are getting a fair return for the natural resources that we collectively own. We all have a stake in this. And it's important to make sure that the Bureau of Land Management remember what their job is. But this is not a new problem. These are systemic problems. The Government Accountability Office has highlighted for years that our royalty collection system was open to waste, fraud, and abuse. We've had systems of corruption in the royalty program before. This is not something that is brand new. And all we saw was that all of these broken systems again brought to light as we moved quicker to lease lands these last four years. So we really want the Bureau of Land Management to get back on track and to frankly get better overall at protecting taxpayers. And we really think that the good news is that these problems can be fixed. Putting a, a hold on leasing is a good first step. The, the Department of Interior can really increase transparency. They can raise royalty rates. They can reinstate rules like the methane waste rule, which helps ensure that taxpayers get royalties on leaked, vented, and flared methane gas from federal lands and decreases overall waste during production. So it helps us capture that gas and get a royalty on it. And the new administration can really look at the internal systems and help move towards reform. I mean, frankly, we just we don't think it's a good idea to leave money on the table. And we all know that today we need all the revenue we can get and we can't afford to lose this valuable revenue. So there you have it. Autumn Hanna, Vice President of Taxpayers for Common Sense, the lead on our energy and natural resources work. First guest on our inaugural Budget Watchdog All Federal Program. Thanks a lot for being here. It's been a pleasure. I'm very honored to be the first guest. (laughs) Coming up next time on Budget Watchdog, All Federal, exercising oversight and demanding transparency. Join TCS policy expert Josh Sewell as we make the case for a quick enactment of the bipartisan Congressional Budget Justification Transparency Act. Thanks for listening to the inaugural Budget Watchdog AF podcast. I hope you'll subscribe and share this episode with friends and colleagues. We're always seeking your input, suggestions, questions, and help. So send your emails directly to me at president at taxpayer.net. Until next time, we'll keep reading the bills, highlighting wasteful programs that poorly spend our money, and shift long-term risk to taxpayers. 